Tashem Self for Learning, Saita Daf Mem Gimel. We left off on Daf Mem Beis, Amid Beis. We are continuing to quote the words of the Mishnah, words that the Meshuach Mochama used to speak to the troops before we went out to battle. And he concluded by saying that the Atem, that you, the Jewish people, we're not like the other nations of the world. We do not go out with the strength or depending of the strength, on the strength of a human being. But as the Mishnah says, that it is Hashem, your God, that is going with you to fight for you. Asks the Gemara in the bottom line, as Rashi explains, four lines from the bottom, that Omar, the Koyin Meshuach Muhammad doesn't say, Ki Hashem imachem, that Hashem is with you. But he adds that Hashem, your Elikechem, is walking with you. So on this, the Gemara is asking, What is this walking? That Hashem is mamish walking with you. Says the Gemara, yes, exactly. Because Hashem, Hashem's name. And all of the alternative pronunciations of Hashem's name, turning to Daf Mem Gimel, they are laying in the Aron Kaidish. And we are explaining this Gemara according to the opinion that holds that we had two Aronais, there was the Aron that housed the wholesome Luchais, the Aron that Betzalel made, that was always inside the Kaidish HaKadoshim, that never went out to battle. And then we will go according to the opinion that there was the other Aron. The one that Moshe Rabbeinu made, the Oren out of wood that housed the broken Luchais that we used to take with us when we went to war. And being that in the Luchais we have Hashem's name, so we are going mamish with Hashem's name. Now, the Vachol Kinuyov, the other alternative pronunciations of Hashem's name, what does that refer to? Here there's a big discussion. There's that Ashbamim of Abbasra that says that Hashem refers to the name spelled Yud and a K and a Vav and a K. And Kinuyov refers to Shem Ab that was also in this Aaron. The Marshovi here disagrees with that. He claims that the Aaron only had in it the Luchais and therefore the Kinuyov refers to other names for Hashem that are written in the Asara Sadibrais as the Marshov says here in the back the whole kinuy of Lavdavka. Why is that? The holy Havad boy, Rak Luchais. However, the kinuy refers to the words Elekecha, to the name of Hashem called Kael, that are both written in the Luchais aside of the Yudke Vavki, back in the Gemara. And now the Gemara says that Vechein Hu and similarly we find in the Chumash that we went out to battle with the Arain that has in it the Luchais. Hashem's name, V'chol Kinuyev. And where do we find this? This is a Pasuk from Parshish Matis. After the Minyanim, they ensnared us to sin with their daughters, which was at the end of Parshish Bilam. The Torah in Parshish Matis records, Vaidabar Hashem, Hashem speaks to Moshe, and he tells him, Nekoim Nikmas B'nei Yisrael. And that was through the mitzvah of Heicholtzu Me'itchem Anoshem Latzava, that Moshe Rabbeinu told us that we should get armed men ready to war from amongst us. 
And from every shevet, a thousand people stepped forward to fulfill this mitzvah. So it says in the Pasik that Vayishlach Oisa Moshe, that Moshe Rabbeinu sent them to wage war against the Midianim. Elef Lamata Latzova, there was a thousand from every tribe that formed this army. And then the Pasik adds, it wasn't only those 12,000 troops that went, but Oisam, them, and them is an inclusionary word. There's a double, there's, there's the word Oisam written twice, and we'll see soon who the Oisam refers to. And Pinchas, the Pasik continues, Pinchas ben Elazar HaKoyin, Latzavo, Chli HaKoydish, Vechatzoitzreis, Hatrua, was sent in the hands of Pinchas. So says the Gemara, who is the Oisam that refers to the Sanhedrin? Why do they, why does the word Oisam, the extra Oisam, refer to Sanhedrin amongst the other Mepharshim? We have from the Ben Yehoyada that Oisam is a composite from Aleph and Tuf, the letters of the Aleph base, in reference to the Torah, those who mastered the Torah, the Sanhedrin. And the Mem of Oisam is Mitzvahs. In other words, Oisam, Torah, and Mitzvahs. Who are the ones that learn the Torah, that keep the mitzvahs on the highest level, the Sanhedrin. Pinchas went with them. He was the Meshuach Muhammad. He was this one that was anointed to inspire us. Uchlei HaKodesh Boloshen Rabim, says the Marsha, the utensils that are holy, refers to the Arain and the Luchais. And that's the V'chein Hu'aymer that we find that the Luchas were taken to battle. And then the Pasek continues, V'chat Soitzreis HaTruah and Trumpets that were there to blow through a sounds, says the Gemara here, those refer to Shaifras. And really, this is something that is of great discussion, because we have an Apostle that when we go to battle, we should take Chatzotzreis. Literally, Chatzotzreis are trumpets made out of metal, precious metal, but made out of metal. Shaifer is what we call a Shaifer, which is an instrument made out of the horn of an animal. And the question is, why does the Gemara interpret Chatzotzreis to mean Shaifreis? Why wouldn't it mean Kipshutai? That's a good discussion. Tana, we learned in Abraisa that that it wasn't for nothing that Pinchas was the one appointed to be the Meshuach Mulchama by this war going out against Midian. Why is that? Why was Pinchas the person that should have been the Meshuach Mulchama? Ella li paradin avi imai, because he was the one to, ex- to exact, to take payment for his fa- for the father of his mother, which refers to Yosef Atzadik. And as we learn in Hasidus and the famous Maimer Hercholzu, that the concept of Midian, Modain Umeriva, they represent Sinas Chinam, pure hatred for no reason. They had nothing, the Midianim had nothing to fear from us. We weren't even going to enter through their territory. Still they hated us and they attempted to harm us and they actually to a degree succeeded. 24,000 Jews were killed by a Magifa. Who is Yosef Atzadik? The opposite of Sinas Chinam. Why is he the opposite of Sinas Chinam? Because even though Yosef had a reason to bear a grudge against his brothers, what we read in Parshas Vayechi, that after Yaakov Avinu passed away, and they went and they begged Yosef, don't take revenge from us. So first he tells them, Hasachas, Alekim Anoichi. And then he tells them that even though you had in mind to harm me, Elikim Chashav Alotoiva. Yosef HaTzadik believing in Hashgacha Pratis. And as we learned, especially in Hasidus, the way the Alter Rebbe explains that even a human choice, as far as I, the recipient, is concerned, 
everything that happens to me is directly happening through Hashem. So Yosef HaTzadik didn't even have a grudge against his brothers because the way he viewed his life, they did nothing to him. It was the Hashgach HaTratis that did something for him. And by them, he actually already realized that it was all for the good. So Yosef HaTzadik never, even if there was going to be a reason, he had no hatred towards his fellow. So Pinchas, the descendant of Yosef, this is the antidote towards Midian. And Shenemar, as it says, and how did the Midianim, where did the Midianim get involved with Yosef? Literally, the Midianim were the ones that sold Yosef to Mitzrayim, as we read in this week's Parshas Vayeshev. So therefore, the Midianim were involved in the sale. The Midianim are the enemies of Yosef. So Pinchas has the power to counter does Pinchas, is Pinchas a descendant from Yosef? Don't forget that paternally, Pinchas is Ben Elazar. Pinchas paternally comes from the tribe of Levi. So it must be that he comes from Yosef maternally. But that's not true. For how behold, it says in Parsha Shemay, that his father, Elazar, took for himself from the daughters of Putiel for a wife. And my love, who is this Putiel family? My love, Putiel, is someone who comes from Yisrael. Because Yisrael, as we know in Parshas Yisrael, Nashi in the beginning, Yisrael has seven names. One of them is Putiel. Why was he also called Putiel? The word Putiel comes from the word Pitem, meaning fattening. Shepitem agolam lavedis kechavim, that before he joined the Jewish people, his greatness was, is that he came, he became a Jew very informed. So when he chose Judaism, it was that he actually knew all the other ways, the wrong ways of trying to connect to Hashem. And he realized that this is the right way. So to his uh, compliment, he used to be someone that used to fatten calves to Averis Kichavim. And he chapped and he realized that this is the right way. But L'cho'er Putiel is Yisrael, so from the father, he's a Kain. From his mother, maternally, he's from Yisrael. How is Pinchas the descendant of Yosef? Says the Gemara, no. That the words Putiel is an allusion to Yosef. How is the word Putiel connected to Yosef? Says the Gemara. Shepitpeit beYitzray. Pitpeit means he scorned. Yosef Atzadik had the power to scorn his Yitzray with the story with the wife of Poitifar. Frakti Gemara, it's not correct. Fahaloi, behold, we know that the Shvatim were mevazen oisay after Pinchas took the Raimach beYadai, and he killed the head of the tribe of Shimon Zimri ben Salu. And the woman with whom he was living, Cosby, Basur. So the tribes told him, Who are you to do it? Reisim, did you see Ben Puti Zed, the son of the Puti? And what were they referring to? Ben, a descendant of, of that one, Shepitem Avi to the one who fattened calves to Ave Zara, he should be the one that Yara Ignasim Yisrael. So we see over here that he was a descendant from Yisrael. Ella answers the Gemara, You're right, but it's not a problem. Pinchas was both a descendant of Yisrael, and that is the Putiel, and he was also a descendant of Yisrael Tzadik. It's one and the other, and as the Gemara is going to conclude, that the words Putiel have an extra Yud in it, and that alludes that he, there's two Putiels, Yisrael, who fattened calves, and Yisrael Tzadik, that had the power to scorn Shepitpeit on his Yetzir Hara. And as the Gemara speaks out, If his mother's father was from Yosef, then his mother's mother was from Yisrael. Or in reverse, if his mother's mother was from Yosef, then his, then his mother's father was from Yisrael. 
So his father is Elazar ben Aaron. But from his mother's side, he was both a descendant from Yisrael and from Yosef. And being that the Midyanim sold Yosef into slavery, so Pinchas is the right person. And as we explained before, Al Pichasidus, to counter the Klippa of Midian and Daikanami, because it says, Mibnois Putia, like Rashi says, with, two, with a Yud. It, the word could have been written, Pave of Tess, Aleph Lamid. What's the Yud Aleph Lamid? Trey Mashma, Shmamino. Continues the mission. Now, we, as we mentioned yesterday, if you look inside the Chumash, it could be helpful in Parsha Shoiftim, in Pedic, what we call Pedic Chaf. So over there, from the beginning, the Torah speaks about the dinim of the Meshuach Molchama, before we go into war. And there are various Psukim. Pasik, hey, adds that Vidibru Hashoitrim El Ha'am, that officer spoke to the people. The Gemara soon is going to clarify exactly what was spoken by the Kayim that was anointed and what was spoken by the officers that were not Kahanim necessarily. So, so they began to tell people that there are exemptions, meaning there are those people who can go back home. And as the mission is going to make it very clear, there are a few categories over here. In other words, there are those people that are not exempt. And amongst those that are exempt, there is a big difference between people that were obligated to go with the troops until these words were spoken, and then they actually turned around and went back home, versus others that had a greater exemption that they never needed to go to begin with. That's something that you need to have Torah Shabal Peh for. That's, the ones that needed to go, that later turned back, were not actually turning back to go home and to do nothing, as the mission is going to explain they were exempt in standing in the front lines, but they needed to serve the troops behind, behind the lines, behind the scene, you know, delivering stuff, etc. And the ones that were so exempt that they didn't even have to go to hear these words, they were completely exempt from any type of service. So the Mishnah clarifies. Quoting from Pasuk And the Pasuk speaks about three categories of people that are exempt. And there was Apsukam Hevav Zion. First is, If there's a man that built a new home, and he did not inaugurate the house, inaugurating the house, we'll see, means living in the house. He built it, but he didn't live in it at all. He should turn around and go back home. Clarifies the Mishnah, what's building a house? First of all, it's very inclusive. It's even if you only built a, a, a barn for straw, even if you only built a base habakkar, a barn for cattle, even if you only built a base ha'etzim, a woodshed, even if you only built a base ha'etzim, a storage house. And as the Mepharshim explained, every type of house that we are including has a greater chiddish. Because from the first to the last, we're going into types of sheds that are less and less usable for human beings to live in. And nevertheless, they are considered the house that exempt a soldier that allow him to go back home. Another detail, says the Mishnah, that building doesn't only mean building from nothing. It says we don't build from nothing, building from uh, what we call nothing. But even if there was a building before and you just bought it, that's called you, you, you built a house and you didn't inaugurate it. So Echad Alikeach, if you bought it, even if you inherited it, it's a bigger Kiddush because buying, before I bought it, I had no connection to it. Inheritance, you know, the person who inherited, their relative already lived there. 
they knew they were, in, they, they, they were they're going to inherit it. Still, it's considered one of the exemptions. And even if a person received it as a gift. Okay. Then the next category was if a person planted a vineyard and did not redeem it. Just to clarify, what's the redemption of a vineyard? In Eretz Yisrael, when we plant fruit, really, we have the din of Arla. So the first three years, if the tree grows fruits, we're not counting now the three years, just to make it clear that it's not the way people think without learning the dinim how to count the three years. It's not exactly from today, three years, but it begins with uh, a few weeks before Echad B'Tishrei. It should take root, let's say two weeks before Tishrei, and it ends with Echad B'Shvat or Tu B'Shvat. But within whatever the three years are, you can't have the fruits altogether. Now, the fruits that grow on the fourth year, that's called Revo'i. In Eretz Yisrael, there was an obligation to take those fruits and to eat them in Yerushalayim. Means you you were not allowed to eat them outside Yerushalayim, and if you you live too far from Yerushalayim and it's difficult for you to take to schlep the fruits to Yerushalayim, then you are allowed to redeem it, like we redeem Meiser Sheni fruits, and with that money go to Yerushalayim and buy produce there and eat it there. That is the chiloloi. In other words, if you did not even redeem the fruits of the fourth year, you never ate the fruits yet. The first three years is nothing to talk about, but now it can be on the fourth year, but you didn't redeem it yet. That's another person that's exempt. So again, clarifies the Mishnah, we're going to be very inclusive. That's both on a person who planted a kerem, the echad, and if a person planted an orchard. It doesn't have to be a vineyard. Now, halachically, what is the minimum amount of trees that one plants that we can call that plantation an orchard, not a singular tree? So halachically, here we're going to learn in the Mishnah, it's five trees. In other words, if I plant four trees, it's not an orchard. Five trees or more is an orchard. However, those five trees, if you look inside Rashi, have to be planted in this type of diagram. In other words, four, one against two, and two, one against the other. And then the fifth one is like a tail, which is planted beneath, in between the two. That way of planting, according to Rashi, is the planting that gives that area the name of an orchard. So the Mishnah says, And even if it's not an orchard, but you planted five trees that give fruit. That's important. So if I'm going to plant certain trees that do not produce fruit, that's not considered the kerem, they won't be exempt. But as long as they produce fruit, and even, says the Mishnah, even if every tree grows a different type of fruit, doesn't matter if they are planted the way the way we have in the diagram in Rashi, that's called an orchard, and the planter, if he never redeemed the fruit, is exempt, can turn around, and he doesn't stand in the front lines during battle. And again, the Mishnah adds other inclusions. This includes both planting. The word mavrich, interestingly, which is one of the root words for the word bracha, mavrich by plantation means bending. What's bending? So you have a branch, and you bend it into the ground. You put the tip into the ground, but you don't leave the tip into the ground. You put it into the ground, and you have the tip protrude out, which means there's like a loop. So now this branch has in it a piece that's in the ground. After the part that is now looped under the ground takes root, then you would cut off its connection to the original tree, and now you have pashat a new tree. If that was clear. That's called mavrich. So when a person did that 
we call that bending because you have to push it, bend the rounds down, and then you have to you know, make as a loop, in and up. If you didn't cut it off yet from the original tree, that, and you did five of those, then you didn't plant a, a vineyard because it's still considered part of the old vineyard. But if you cut it off, and now the dinam of Arla and Revoi begin again, and you didn't yet redeem the fruits of the fourth year, so then uh, you're exempt. The echad hamarkiv, grafting, hamarkiv means grafting. Grafting is fashion. Grafting is you have a tree, you take a branch from another tree, and you insert it. There's a chachma. You have to know what you're doing. You, you insert it into the original tree. And once that branch connects to the original tree, interestingly, the branch will produce fruit, but the fruit that it will produce will be connected also with its original source, which is why we're not allowed to graft one type of fruits tree into another type, into another species, because we're not allowed to make these mixtures, even though Bikitzer, when it comes to fruits, if it was made, we can eat them. We can benefit from it. So if a person was markiv and these new branches take root, the problem we're going to have in the Gemara is, is that if you, if you graft a tree, so like we're going to call tree A is the tree that's staying in the ground, and we're taking a branch from tree B. If I graft a branch from B into A, if A is already after its fourth year, even though the graft is new, the branch is bottled to the original tree, and there is no dinim, not of Arla, not of Revoi. So the Gemara is going to address that back in the Mishnah. And again, it doesn't make a difference whether you buy it or whether you inherit it. All of these categories are included in the one who's exempt if they did not yet redeem the fruit of the fourth year. And the third category in this psukim of hey vav zayin is umiho ish asher eiras isha. If there's a man that got engaged, meaning... Here, he, got, he made a biblical engagement. He gave a woman the ring by saying, but he did not marry her yet. That's this exemption. So he can turn around and go back home. Which he did Edusin, but he didn't do Nesuyan. And again, the Mishnah broadens the exemption. It makes no difference whether you gave engagement to a girl that was never married before. Or or if you did Edusin with a widow and or with a divorcee. As long as it's not your divorcee. For you, it's a new woman. Or even if there's a man whose brother died without children and he has now the zika with his widow, he's like in that category of waiting to get married already with a halachic connection. And even if his brother, the one who died, died in this battle. When he went out, he wasn't exempt yet. He wasn't a yavam. But now he became a, a Yavam. Now there's a Shemeres Yavam situation. So the din is, He goes back. He goes back home. There is a Machlekes here in the Rishonim. Is he obligated to go back home? And we spoke it out. We hinted it to it. The Pashat Amdaf Membeiz Amadbeiz on the top line, whether you read the words Vechizru or Vechazru. That's the question. No, it's do you have to go back home or you may go back home? Did, did they return or the claim says you could return? Get back in the Mishnah. Now, says the Mishnah, the whole Elu, the Bach takes out the extra Elu. They have to go out from their homes. They have to come all the way to the border, as we learned yesterday, that they heard these words by the border. And when they heard these words, then, then they go back. 
In other words, they cannot say to themselves, I'm engaged, I didn't get married, or any other of the categories. Why do I have to schlep and go back? I'm being exempt. You have to go out. And then you have to hear the Meshuach Muhammad saying these words, and then you return, and the returning is not 100%. The chayzin, but umesapkin mayim umazin. But they have to, they have duties as a soldier. They're not free to go back home. They have to provide water and food, and or umesaknen esadrachim. They have to fix the roads. In other words, all duties that must be performed behind enemy lines falls on them. However, now the Mishnah says, The following people don't get any exemption. If a person built, and the Mishnah is going to speak out three types of structures that are more or less all passageways, at least they are primarily made as a passageway, and even if people live in it, it's not considered a home of dwelling, so it's not called a house. And that's going to be a beishad, some type of gatehouse. Achsadra here, we're going to tie some sort of entrance, to a house, and umir peses, some type of long porch. Well, it's very common today, you go to a second story a hotel that has an open second porch, and from the porch you walk into the rooms, so if you, if you only own, if you only built that type of porch, that's not called a dwelling place. Another din, says the Mishnah, that will not exempt you, if you planted four, arba ilone michael, four fruit trees, or you planted five, and if you planted them in the right formation, but they are ilani srak, they are non-fruit-bearing trees. Or if a person got re-engaged with the woman with whom he was married before, not someone else's gerusha, but gerusha soy, there's no exemption. Continues the Mishnah. What happens if you have an engagement between a almana to a kaingadol? And an almana is not allowed biblically to get married to a kain gadol. Or if you have a gerusha, or if you have a chalutza to a kain hediyet, gerusha midaraisa, chalutza midarabanan. Mamzeres, or in a sina, we learned in Davchav Dalad, the nation of the Gevoinim. We spoke out there in Davchav Dalad, whether it's midaraisa, whether it's midarabanan, whether it was Yehoshua, whether it was David. But for sure, for sure, midarabanan, we cannot marry into the Nesinim, the descendants of the people who tricked Yehoshua. And they were originally from one of the seven nations. So if if there was such an engagement between the woman as an Asina to a Yisrael or Bas Yisrael, all these marriages, whether they are biblically or rabbinically forbidden, such an engagement doesn't justify an exemption. And therefore, Rabbi Yehuda is also a little bit more restrictive as to when is someone exempt. What were to happen if a person had a home? The home was knocked down, or he knocked the home down, and he built it back al which means exactly on its original footprint. He didn't add anything. Now, it's new, but it's not added to. So Rabbi Yehuda says, and that's, a, that's actually only Rabbi Yehuda. The Tanakama holds that if you built up your house again, even if you built it exactly as it was before, it's a new house, you do get the exemption. Rabbi Yezer says, If a person builds a brick home in a place, in a region, in Eretz Yisrael, called the Sharon, Bisharon, and as Rashi, on top of Daf Mem Gimel, on the place of Toysavus. Here we only have Rashi. says, that, that being that the earth, the soil, did not tolerate buildings of bricks. And if you build something with bricks, every twice, twice in seven years, you would have to rebuild it. No, it's a very temporary building. So according to Rabbi Eliezer, period. Now back in the Mishnah. So as we spoke at in the beginning, 
There are two types of exemptions. There are exemptions. You have to go until this far. You have to go until the border. You hear the words of the Kayin, and you, you are exempt. Again, Machlekes, you have to go back home. You are allowed to go back home. But whichever one it is, you needed to go out originally with your fellow troops. Says the Mishnah, But there are other people that Bechlau to begin with don't even go out. And, and their exemption is not that they have to work behind enemy lines. They have to work as backup. No, they don't work at all. Who are they? If a person built a house and he already started to live in the house, but he didn't live there for one full year, or if a person planted the vineyard or an orchard, and they already at least once redeemed the fruits of the revai, but they didn't eat those fruits for a full year, or if a person already got married to one's arusa, or if a person already got married to one's yavama, but they didn't live with her for a full year, they were completely exempt, and this exemption is taka, not written in Pasha Shreftim, but it's written in Pasha's Kiseitse, where the, where the Pasuk says regarding marriage, the Pasuk says clearly, and the Pasuk continues, and here's the Gemara quoting, Naki, not who, but Naki Yihi Yala Beisoi, Shona Echos. And then the Pasuk continues, Vesimach Es Ishtoi Asher Lakach. Says the Mishnah, the Beisoi, Naki Yia would have been enough. The word Le is extra, so that comes to include someone that built a house. It's not just about getting married, which is explicitly in the Torah, but again, it's about building. The words Yihia, as the Mepharshim say, it could have said Naki Hu Le includes Karmoi. The Simachasishtoi refers to his wife, and the Torah adds Asher Lokach, which is extra words, Lahavi Es Yevimtoi. And here the Mishnah explains it's not Pshat, not only do they not have to go out to begin with, but when they stay home, they taka stay home. That Ain Maspikin, Lahemai Mumazin, take out the words Lahem, that they don't supply waters and food. They are completely exempt from any type of military service. And by the way, this is Taka the source now, that when a person gets married today, there is an Igan al Pihalacha, that for the first year they should not leave their homes. There are exceptions, but that's the din. Says the Gemara. The first year they should not leave their wives for a full year. Correct. Says the Gemara Tanrabanan, and the Brisa begins quoting from Pasuk Hay, where it says, again, Pedikhav Pasuk Hay, Vidibru Hashoitrim, that the officers speak. So, Yachoil Duvarim Shal Atzman, you might think that everything that's written in Pasuk Hay, which are the exemptions that we read in the Mishnah, about the person that built a house and Bechlal didn't live in it, Kerem. And he made, uh, he made the Edusin, and he bechal didn't get married. So you would think that these are words that come from the officers and not from the Meshuach Mulchama. So says the Braisa, no. That when it says in Pasuk Ches, that the, that the officers add, adding means that what happened until now were taken not their own words. Until now, these are the words of the Meshuach Mulchama. Now they say words on their own. That they used to pasik hey vavin zayin are the officers repeating the words of the kain meshuach mulchama. In other words, pasik hey vav zayin. These exemptions were spoken out first by the kain, and the shaitrim. Their job was to repeat it. 
They made everyone hear those words. They spoke it out louder. Just repeating it. Sometimes you don't hear it clear the first time. You get it the second time. It is only the way it appears here. From Pasuk 8 and on, Pasuk 8 gives a, gives a final exemption. And that is that whoever is whoever is, is fearful and has a weak heart. And as Rashi brings in Chumash, as we'll learn here at least one opinion, Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Yosei Haglili, that Rabbi Kiva says, the one who is fearful is Kipshutai. There are certain people that just can't stand battle. They should go back because fear is contagious. And Rabbi Yosei Haglili says, that doesn't mean a person is afraid of battle. It means a person who's afraid of the Avedas that they committed. But we are going out because Hashem Aleikeichem Ha'elechimachem. But who's Ha'elechimachem with people that are free of sin? If a person feels that they committed sins and God is not going to be with them, they should go back. And there's a beautiful sikha, I think in Chelek Tess, where the Rebbe explains that Rabbi Kiva doesn't say like Rabbi Yisya Aglili. Because the very fact that a person is afraid because of the sins that he, or he committed, that in itself, according to Rabbi Kiva, is tshuva. And it's such a tshuva, even though it's just a fear, my realization that my sins took away, so to say, the protection... That's true. So it can't be that you go back because you are afraid of your sins. So it must be kibshutim. Anyways, Tani, we learned the Gemara says that this concept that koyin medaber mashmia is important to reconcile three brises which apparently contradict each other. It says in brisa number one, Tanachada, koyin medaber, the koyin is the one that speaks the words and the shaitan is the one that repeats it as mashmiya. It says in brisa number two, Vitanya idach, the koyin is the one that speaks and the koyin is the one that repeats, that it reiterates his words. It says in a third brisa that the officer is the one that speaks and the officer reiterates, so which one is it? So, from Pasik Beis, until Vidibru. Vidibru is the first word in Pasuke. So it means from Pasuk Beis until the end of Pasuke, the coin said it once and the coin spoke it out again. From Mividibru, which is the words of our Mishnah, from Pasuke until Pasuk Ches Advi Yasu. Here is where we just explained the coin said it once, the three people, Bayez, Kerem, and Isha, that they are exempt, and the Shaitan repeated it. And from the Pasuk Ches and on, the one who is Yari Varach Halevav, Miviyosvu Hashaitrim, the Eloch, Shaitim Edabe, the Shaitim Ashmiyam. Now, going back to the Mishnah, Omiha Isha Asher Bana Bais Chodosh, Tonara Bana, we learned in Abraisa Asher Bana. The Torah says Asher Bana, Eliel Bana. We only know that a person is exempt if they built. But what's going to happen if a person bought a home, or if a person inherited a home, or if a person, Vinitan Loibi Matana, how do you know that they are exempt? So Talmud Loimir Miho Ish. Asher bana, from the extra word ha'ish, as Rashi says, it could have said me. Asher bana, ish comes to include, include any man that has a home, even if it's not built, bought, inherited, or gifted. Bayis, ain't le bayis, minayin How do you know that we include what the Mishnah spoke out? The base atevin, a barn built for straw, a base bucket, a barn built for cattle, a base so ate some a woodshed, or even just a storage house that people hardly fit in, that that person is also exempt if they didn't live in it at all. Tamud leimet asher bana, mikal makim. Like Rashi says, it could have said, umidu like siv, asher bayis bana. Asher bayis bana would have meant you have to build a house. But since it says bana before the word bayis, 
You know, the beginning is always the dominant, like we learned yesterday. When you open up words, don't open up negative words. So if it bana bias, the building is what counts. If you build something, now these types of passageways. So Talmud Lamed at the end, it says bias. It's not just bana bana bias. Ma bias It's made for people to dwell in. Afkol and the base hashar, or the achsadr, or the merpeses, which are basically structures through which normally people walk through, that is not considered the bias. Says the, says the b'raisa, that Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov says, he's more restrictive. He says, do not include the base, the, the, all, all of the, all of the, uh, the base hateven, the base habakar, right, and the woodshed, and the, they're not included, because bias kemashmoi, it's only a house, more restrictive. Continues the Braiso, it says, and the man did not inaugurate that house. Now the Vav is extra. It says the Braiso, the Pasuk could have written, you built a house, why does it say that comes to exclude a Goslin? That if someone stole a house, so for them it's new. They are not excluded. Says the Gemara, you know something, our Braiso cannot be Rabbi Yossi Hagalili. Because basically, what is the Braissa saying? That if someone stole a house, he's not exempt. In other words, what does he do? He has to join the war. Rabbi Yehissi we just spoke out, interpreted the words, Hayyori Verach Levot. What's Yori Verach Levot? Zahamis Yori, turning to Ahmed. Ma'aveder should be Yodhi. You know, you, if you stole the house, you are exempt. Takanat, because of you built a new home. It's not considered. But you stole the Bistagamit. So it says the Gemara Lavdafka. Maybe the Braissa goes even according to Rabbi Yehissi and according to Rabbi Yisrael, you're right. When a person steals and they don't do tshuva, then they don't go. Then they can't be part of the troops. But it, we might be speaking about a person that did tshuva. By Genevet means not he asked, forgive me. V'yav demei, he paid the money. Oh, now that he did tshuva, and now that the recipient accepted the money, so now it's as if he bought it. So the question is, is he exempt or not? So on this says the Tanakama. That he's not exempt. One second. Why not? He's a lekeach. He's like a purchaser. Let him go back. Answers the Gemara. Since it came to his house from the beginning wrongfully, now Yataka rectified it. But loy, you don't have the exemption. Really, the whole thing makes sense because, and why Taka not? Because there's a rule that Karka ain't an exelus. You have to understand that. And actually, yeah, we learned this. When did we learn this? When we learned the dinam of uh, building a sukkah, right in Tafresh somewhere, Tafresh Lamed Zion over there. That at, at, even even though Karke ain't an exelus, and if a person built a sukkah on someone else's property, b'diavid, I think he can eat in that sukkah. He can't make a bracha. Can't make a bracha. It's not nice. It's, he stole it. I Karke ate an exelus. Halachically, in other words, there's a concept that since I own my house, you can never steal it from me. But it is considered stolen because until you gave me money, I was wronged. And you were possessing it wrongfully. 
Tana Rabbanon, we learned in Abraisa, Ashenata, Mamish, the same words, Ashenata, Ainli Elanata, you would only know that they are exempt if they planted a vineyard. What happens if a person bought a vineyard, or if the person inherited a vineyard, or if a person was gifted a vineyard, Minayin, that they are also exempt? So Tamad again, that word that's extras, Ish, it says, Umi ho Ish, Ashenata Kerem, it could have said, Umi, Ashenata Kerem. So Ish is an inclusionary word, including more in the exemption. Continues the How do you know that any types of trees, any orchard, and even if the five trees, each one is different, and again, Rashi says it could have said, No, it's the first word could have been Kerem. And the first word is planting, not Kerem. What counts, the dominant is the first word, anything that was planted. Maybe you should even include four trees or five trees that are not fruit bearing. At the end of the day, it says Kerem. And Kerem means that they have to produce fruit. And again, Rabbi Liezer Ben Yaakov here is more restrictive. He doesn't allow everyone to be included in the exemption. And he says Kerem means a Kerem, like a house meant a house, and not an orchard. The Pasik says that whoever planted and didn't. Uh, didn't redeem it, the it is extra. It could have said, why? That comes to exclude. Now here we have a contradiction between this and the Mishnah. So what does it exclude, says the Braisa? That if the person did that system of bending the branches into the ground and then eventually cutting it off from its source, and now you have over here a new din of a tree, nevertheless you're not exempt. It's not that new. If you graft it, it's not that new. It's excluded from the exemption. Period. End of Raisa. Asks the Gemara. That's the big piece of the Hamid now. One second. Boho, Anan Tanan. We learned in our Mishnah clearly that Mavrich, Echad Hanoiteya, that who, who is exempt? The ones who planted, the ones who were Mavrich, and the ones that were grafted, the ones that are Markiv. So answers the Gemara, very interestingly, the Gemara doesn't address both the Mavrich and the Markiv. The Mavrich is something that we're not even addressing. And that's a big question. The Gemara, doesn't even go, the Gemara does not verbalize the answer. So somehow it has to be answered by itself. One approach would be, even though many people refute it, that when you make Mavrich, when does the Braises say it's not excluded from the exemption? When you didn't cut it off the original tree. And it makes sense because if you still left it connected to the original source, even though the part underground has its own roots, there's no dinam of Arla. If you took it from a tree that's already after the fourth year, it's considered still part of that original tree. Since there's no dinam of Arla, there's no need of being mechawalit. So you're not exempt. Our Mishnah that exempts you from Mavrich is when you did cut it off. And now the din is that you restart counting three years of Arla and the fourth year of Revoi. That's one approach. But what about Markiv? So says Rabzeda in Rabchizda, like Asha Khan in the Braisa, that you are not exempt, is when you made a grafting that's prohibited. And to speak very generally, any two types of fruits should not be grafted together, even though if they were grafted, we can eat of it. But you shouldn't have done it. So you're not going to get an exemption. Our Mishnah is speaking about Harkava Setev, that you grafted the same species, one and the other. So that sounds like a great answer. And here the Gemara says, one second, how? That doesn't make sense. And we spoke it out when we learned the Mishnah. That gives an exemption in our Mishnah. Yalda means young. 
and young, we're referring to a tree that is not yet in the fourth year. So if, again, there's tree A that's staying, then you take a branch of tree B and you push it, insert it somewhere, you make a hole in the, in the trunk of A and you, and you insert it in it. So ask the Gemara, if tree A is still a young tree that was not yet redeemed and the branch is also from a young tree, why does the Mishnah say that you are exempted? Because you were marked something new because of the branch of B, you are exempted anyway. Because you have a vineyard or an orchard that didn't that you were never machal yet. The original one should give you the exemption. In other words, the graft doesn't cause the exemption. What causes the exemption is your original young tree. Ella it must be that your grafting branch B is takayaldo. As the din is, when it starts growing, you have to restart the count. But you, you grafted it in a zikena, in a tree that's after the fourth year. That can be either. Because the halacha will be, says the Gemara of Ha'amar that yaldam, shesipcha bizikena, that when you graft a young branch into a, a tree, the tree A is already a zikena, but le yaldam bizikena. And even though that, the, 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 the tree A is 20 years old. The branch from tree B is young. And, and, and when you plant a graft, that's the chachm of grafting, is that when the fruits grow from the new branch, it doesn't grow as it is from the original tree. The branch has its effect on its fruit. So it's takap sarchidish here. The din is that it's bottle, halachically. And there's no arla on the branch. So if there's no arla on the branch, why would you be exempt? You don't need to be mechalalit. So that's a real question on the answer of Rab Zayda Rab Chizda. So on this says Rabbi Yirmiyah, and he finds a very doichik uh, answer. It must be yalda be yalda. If not, you won't be exempt. I, you're exempt anyway. That when you plant trees originally with the intent, it's taka fruit tree. But I am not planting it for its fruits. I am planting it only as a fence. It's called a natural fence. It's very common here, right? In LA. So, and you know it's, it has to be clear that you planted it Lisiog. So I have a fence and there was a breach in it, and I planted there in the hole, in the space, I planted a tree. Or if I planted a tree only for its wood, and here you have a whole halachic discussion. Are you allowed to plant a fruit tree for its wood? Because once fruit grows from a tree, we're not allowed to cut the tree down. That's an interesting discussion. But the din will be that when you plant trees not for their fruits, they are exempt. That's the case. The Tanan, like we learned, Hanatea, Lusiog, or only, or for its wood, then Patim and Ha'adwa. And I grafted branch B into this type of tree. And I am not exempt anyways, yalda be yalda, because the first tree was patim in ha'arla. But being that I grafted this branch for fruits, yachab, so here there's a chiv of arla. And that's our Mishnah that you are exempt. Asks the Gemara, that also doesn't make sense. Why is it that yalda bezkena the butla? Why, the, the din is that if you plant a branch B, that was a brand new tree, into A that's already over the four years, there's no dinam of arla on the branch. Why? Because the rule of grafting is, is that the branch is nullified to the source. So what difference will it make if the source is exempt because it's old, or if the source is exempt because it was planted for a, for a, for a siog? The bottom line is, if the original tree, if the ikar tree is exempt, so then the branch should also be exempt. Why is this bottle of mashtin yalda be yalda, the loy bottle? Says, you can answer. 
Hasam over there when it's old and young. You know, when you want to make from something old young, that's the big chachma. You can't do that. You can want it to be young. Old is old. So once the tree is old, it will always be exempt. That's why the branch in a tree that is already exempt is also bottle and it is exempt. Hasam over there, even if you change your mind, you decide, you know, I don't want my tree to be old. I would want my tree to be young. You cannot reverse that. However, over here, when does the Mishnah say that if you plant a tree for a fence, it's exempt? Only if you continuously want it to be a fence. But the halacha will be that if you change your mind after you planted it, and you say, you know what? I don't want this only for the fence. I want this for its fruit. The moment you have that in mind, now it's obligated in Arla. Now it's obligated in Ravai. So even if you didn't have that in mind, it's a tree that's shayich to Arla. So there the branch is going to be obligated on Arla and on Ravai. Hasam over there, imim basma'adarhi. And why is that? Because since me'ikara by nature, the tree is inherently made for fruits. And neither the Havan Nigmar proves it that there's a din. What happens if a tree grew on its own? A fruit tree grew on its own. What's the din? The din is that there's Arla. There is Rivoy. I, you did not intend it for fruits. It doesn't matter. What do we prove from over here? In other words, is it your intent for fruits that brings the Chiyuf, which is not the case? It's your active intent that this tree is not for fruit that allows the exemption to continue. Because you're fighting against its nature. But its inherent nature is, the default is, it's a tree for fruit. The default is, there's a chi of Arla and Ravoi. And therefore, the graft won't be nullified, or say it better, the graft is nullified to the tree. But since the original tree essentially is a tree that is obligated to Arla and, and Ravoi, so that's the graft. And you wanted fruits from the graft. Vaharaya, you grafted it. That's not like we learned in the Mishnah, that Olam Aleim, that if trees grow on their own, Chayavim Okay, the problem the Gemara has with Rabbi Yirmiya, that it's a big doichik. What's our Mishnah is only speaking about a case that you had trees that you planted, Lisyog, Ulukaitis, and you grafted the Yaldom on that tree. So the Gemara asks, why couldn't Rabbi Yirmiya explain Rabbi Zayda Rabchizda with a better answer? The Laikma, why can't you say? What was the question? Yaldom be Yaldom, it was a great question. Yalda the Yalda, you are exempt because of the original one, not because of the graft. Why can't we say there were two owners? I own tree A, you own the branches, you grafted the, 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 the branches into my tree. It's bottled to my tree, but my tree is a Yalda. So your branches are also a Yalda. So I have to keep the dinam of Arlo of, of So do you. So the Mishnah says you are exempt from the war. Graft is Markiv? Graft is Markiv. I understand. That's a better answer. Ask two the two owners. Mm -hmm. so what's the two owners. I get. I own tree A, yeah. and they're taking young trees, and I'm. A, I know that I'm exempt. The mission is telling you then that if you decide to graft your branches into my tree, and being that you never were machalal the revoy from your branches, that you're also exempt. That's the case of our mission, and it was b'minachad. Oh, it wasn't a hakavas isur, so you are exempt. Asks the Gemara, why didn't he say that the loike may be kerem shoshnei shu tafim? The hayodar adi day, the hayodar adi day says the Gemara, that's not a right answer. You know why? I'm an apopos. So he from here. You see that if you have a vineyard that belongs to two people, the way we said, ain chayzron olav. One vineyard does not exempt two people. You know who it will exempt? 
the owner of the main trees. Now, if I grafted my own grafts into my own trees, we have to find a scenario like he gave. So my trees were Lesiog, and now the graft was Lepeda. Yalda be Yalda, same species, that's the case of the Mishnah, that works. He couldn't answer two partners because they taka are not exempt. The Einchazen Olav, that's the whole point. They're not, both of them are not exempt. Because it, both of them are not exempt. Why? No, you have to know how to learn partnership. It has to be mine. Now, ask the Gemara one second. Why will that be different if there were, God forbid, there were six brothers that went to battle? That's the case. And like the Mishnah said, when they went to battle, they were all good. One was married, five were single. And unfortunately, the married one got killed during that battle. So now there are five brothers that are connected to his almana. How many will marry here? Only one. The din is all five are go home. All five soldiers go home. Why is it that one vineyard doesn't exempt two partners? One widow exempts five brothers. So the Gemara gives a great answer. You can't compare one case to the other. That's what I said about partnership. By the partnership, one field belongs to both partners. It's not going to be either mine or yours. It's one for two. One does not exempt two. She will be the wife of one of them fully. We don't know yet which one, so they all go home. But the one, each one has a claim on her to make her their full wife. See? Each one can say she is my wife. And Taka, one of them, will marry her to the exclusion of all others. Over here, each partner cannot say, this is my vineyard. Each partner says, this is our vineyard. Okay, now the Gemara gives another answer. says, again, going back to the question that the Abirmiya was addressing, if it's Yalda Bialdam, then the graft doesn't cause the exemption. You are exempt anyways because the original tree. So he says, another great answer, that when, you know, Bachal, you think about it, the holding of Arla and of, and of Ravoy, can only be if the tree stays, and every year there's new fruits. On vegetables, or on herbs, that every year, whatever you plant, it grows, and when you pluck it, everything goes out. There's no dinavarla. If not, you can never eat vegetables. There's a possibility there are certain herbs in which you can graft a branch. Beheted. So the original one is an herb which is not shaykh to the laws of, of uh, Arla. Or of, or of Ravoy. But the graft, now now that you grafted a branch, on the graft are Dinam Arla and Ravoy. So that's the case, that the graft is causing the exemption. And Vahaitana, and our, now our mission can only go according to the opinion that you are allowed to do it. Don't forget, two types of trees, two species of fruits cannot be grafted one and the other. And we just clarified that if the graft was an Isr Dika graft, it will not give you the exemption. So our mission is going to have to go according to the Tanya, HaMavrechim if you graft a tree in a herb, Rapshim and Mengamliel Mater, he allows you to do it. Then it works. However, you should know that Mishum, Rabbi Yehuda, Ben Gamdish, Kvar Akoi, and according to the Chachamim, you're not allowed to do it. Now, go Why more. Why is this answer better than our previous answer of the a different answer. And now the Gemara gives, now we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. The question was the contradiction between the Mishnah and the Braisa. And the original answer for that, Rab Zedah, Rab Chizda, Har Kavas Isra, Kavas Heter, says the Gemara that when Abdibi came 
to Babylonia from Eretz Yisrael. And here in Eretz Yisrael, we have the great Amoyda, Rabbi Yechanan. So he repeated that Rabbi Yechanan explained that the Brice is Rabbi Yezer ben Yaakov, which is the best answer. We kept on learning that Rabbi Yezer ben Yaakov was more limited exactly. with, the, with, with the exemptions. Less people are exempt. Rabbi Yezer ben Yaakov does not include Amavrich and Amarkiv. Our mission is not Rabbi Yezer ben Yaakov. Because Rabbi Yezer ben Yaakov hasam kerem kemashmoi. Just like by kerem, kerem and not an orchard. Hachinami, nota. You have to plant. Planting is not the grafting. Planting is not Mavrich. Noitea in, Mavrich umarkiv loi. Now that we quoted Ravdimi Yomar Rabbi Yechanan, so we're going to have other dinim in his name. Says the Gemara Vaiter Kiyosa Rabbi Meir Rabbi Yechanan in the name of Rabbi Eliezer Ben Yaakov. Right, the Tana that's Kavanaki that Yalda Pchusa Mitefach. If you have a young tree and the young tree is not even a Tefach high, a real short tree, even though Midin Taira, when are trees in the category of Arla in the halachic three years of its plantation? And then on the fourth year, you can redeem the fruits if they're planted in Eretz Yisrael, eating it in Yerushalayim, and from then on, you can eat the fruits. Says Rabbi Yezir ben Yaakov, that midrabanan chayevez ba'arla kol shenayseh, you can never have the fruits. Why? Because the mischazia kibashato. Here we're going to have a whole bunch of dinam of marasayim. Since it looks like a very young tree within the first year, it's very short, people won't know that it's already in its fifth year. Because of Marasayan, you have to treat it like Arla. What, what do I know? I'm a city boy. I have no idea. What the such a Metzias? Vaita Bahana Mili says the Gemara to limit his Isur the Rabbanon of Marasayan. That's only Shtayim Kenegit Shtayim Achaz Yoytzov Zanaf. That's only if you have an orchard that has the minimum size, as we learned in the Mishnah. One against one, one against one. In other words, four trees, like Rashi's diagram. And then the fifth one is like a tail in between both of them on a lower level. Avol, kule, kerem. But if you have a whole orchard or an agansa vineyard, and all of the trees there are short, everyone is going to know about this phenomena. And therefore, there's no more marasayan. Kola isle. Very important to know that we are not allowed to make up our own marasayans. Once we have in Chazal a Marasayan, we on our own cannot say, who are you kidding? Kala Isli. We cannot say that either. If the Chazal say that something doesn't look like it's permitted, and therefore it's prohibited, we don't say Kala Isli. But here we're learning in the Gemara. Chazal had the power to say it. So there's only Marasayan if it's something that's not in large quantity. The moment you hit a full vineyard, now there's a whole discussion, what's, what is exactly a vineyard? This the Gemara doesn't say. Whatever number that is, People know about it. Let's hop another few lines. Says the Gemara Vaitiki Yosef of Dimi Yomar Abiyechanan in the name of Rabbi Yehuda Ben Yaakov. Maze if someone if there's a corpse, and as we'll see in a moment, we're not allowed to do mitzvahs in the close proximity of a corpse because of what we call loyeg l'rosh. So here we say Toifus Arba Amas Lekrishma. We are not allowed to read Krishma if we are within the four cubits of the corpse because it says this is very important. If you laugh, if you mock a pauper, it's as if, God forbid, you are blaspheming his maker. In other words, a mace is patamina mitzvahs. So we're not allowed to do mitzvahs in the presence of the mace. Doing it is as if we're mocking the dead. You see, aha, I can and you can't. More modest that Churgesa, Churgesa means a stepdaughter. 
that Hegdeila Ben Ho'achim that was brought up among stepsons, Asura Li Nosilachim, she's not allowed to marry her with her stepbrothers. Why? The Mischazyaki Achosayu. People don't know. It looks like the brother is marrying the sister. Says the Gemara Vilohi. We don't accept that ruling. Why is that? People know that this is only a stepdaughter or they're stepsons. They're not related. So there's no matter sign. Leket is when you have one or two stalks that if they fall from the hands of the reaper or if you have shikha, one or two bundles that were forgotten behind when you pick up the bundles or peya, which is a minimum of 160th any edge of a field that you have to leave for the poor and we learned that Rashi brings some sukkim we had this not that long ago that midoiraisa, these uh, produce of Leket, Shikham, are exempt from Trumasomaisis, but if the poor, the poor person that collected it made it into a Goiran, a Goiran means a pile. When it comes to all produce, from when are we obligated to tie them? From the Gemar Melacha, which would be at minimally when you pile them into a Goiran, and then you do the Meruach, you smooth it out. Or if it's for personal use, when you take it into your home. So if the poor person gathered that much from these tzedakah funds and he made his own pile, midrabanan, midrabanan, hukvelamaiser, also like maras ayin, people won't know that this is like a chikhampeyo. So you have to give, you have to give the tithing. Says Ula, layamaran, only where there's maras ayin, only if they made the pile in the field. No, it's no one saw what happened beforehand. Avol beir, but if the poor person is in a city, you know it takes a long time. From, for a person who's collecting from these charity funds to make a large pile. So people are going to know, oh, look at this person. He knows another little piece of the pile, another centimeter to the pile. It, it's going to take him so much time and people will see the little pile growing slowly. They will know that it's owned by a poor person. They will know that it's like a chikhompeya. And everyone knows that that's exempt. One more. In the name of Rabbi Yezid ben Yaakov. Same concept as we just learned before. Yalda, if you have a, 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 a vine, a young vine, that's not even told a tefach. There is a prohibition of mixing vines, grapes, together with wheat and barley. Then Rashi brings down a machlek, as a masechta menachis, that are those tanoim who hold that midoiraisa, grapes cannot be planted only aside of the grains, not with canvas, which is hemp, and not with luf, not with beans. But midoiraisa, uh, seeds of, of, of grapes, midoiraisa could be planted with other legumes. It's only asir midarabanan. Says now, according to those times, says Rabbi Yezir ben Yaakov, that if you have a vine that's very, very short, they, they, they won't even ruin, they won't make other, other legumes. Because the Isser to begin with is only Midrabanan. And this vine halachically is very insignificant. It's very unusual. It's very short. So the Rabbanan did not make a gzeir on something that's unusual or not significant. And again, Hanamili only only when there's only very few of these short vines. So it's legally insignificant. But if if you have a large plantation of these very short vines, then it's legally significant. And Midrabanan, just like it makes other 
legumes with which you planted it together into this big prohibition that you can eat it, you can't have benefit, Midrabanon also, Magdish, it makes it prohibited. The Mirza Hashem to be continued.